Welcome to Everyday Therapist. I'm Rich from the UK. And I'm Cody from the United States. Before we jump in, we just want to say that this podcast does not constitute therapeutic advice. Hey, everybody. Just a quick heads up. Rich and I recorded this podcast uh, back at the end of November. So there is some talk about Thanksgiving and Christmas to start the episode. And also, uh, Rich and I are always looking for new guests to come on the podcast. Uh, So if you would love to come on and and share your story, um, or if you're in the mental health field and would love to share any information that you have uh, with other people, uh, we would love to to have you on. Or maybe even if you just happen to know somebody who... um, who would be interesting to, to have uh, to have them tell their story and, and share. So uh, you can reach out to us in a variety of ways. Uh, you could email us at everydaytherapistpodcast at gmail.com. You could go to our Substack page, which is everydaytherapistpodcast.substack.com, or you can just reach out to us on the Everyday Therapist uh, Podcast Instagram page, and we'd love to hear from you and have you on the show. Uh, thanks for listening, and enjoy the episode. Well, welcome to our next episode of Everyday Therapist. Uh, thank you, everybody, for continuing to listen to us and, and uh, be a part of our podcast. Uh, both Rich and I completely appreciate you being here and, and continuing to support us. Uh, Rich, Rich, how's your how's your week been? Yeah, it's been good. Thanks. I noticed that you said you said next episode because you can't remember what number we're up to. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I reckon it's about, do you reckon it's week eight? Uh, yeah, actually, the, the truth is, I think this might be seven. Uh, but I didn't know if, I know I know we're doing a, a, a interview coming up here in a week, and I didn't know how, the order of which we would release them okay. in. And I'll so, screwed it up then. <laughs> no, no, it's perfect. It's perfect. We didn't. We obviously didn't game plan that before. We we had our own thoughts, okay. but yeah, this might come out in episode seven. It might come out in episode eight. I have no idea. So we need to get busy recording the Christmas anxiety episode then, so that we've got it ready to go at the right time. I know, and we actually probably should, we probably should have done it this one because uh, we if we're releasing yeah. every other week, we'll hit our Christmas episode after Christmas at this rate. Okay, I'll try and introduce a bit of. Christmas cheer. Uh, I uh, yeah, my, my week's been okay. It's been a. I hate saying I've had a busy week because everyone's busy all the time. But I think I had a trip uh, at the beginning of the week to to London with work, and just going away gives you that extra feeling of, of busyness. I think, and then and also just talking about Christmas. It's the Christmas season now, and everybody's out in full force. Uh, you know, we went to the supermarket this morning, and it's absolute mayhem. Mm. It's like everyone's, I guess, starting their Christmas shopping, things like that. And we've had a couple of family birthdays over the weekend, which has been great. So it's just like, yeah, all, all completely full on. And um, yeah, happy Thanksgiving before we get to Christmas. Obviously, you had that this week. Yeah, Thanksgiving that was uh, this week for us here in the States. Um, I, I imagine, I mean, you've brought it up now uh, on last podcast to, or maybe that was just us talking. I can't remember, but now again. Yeah, so I, so. Um, <clears throat> I imagine that's kind of known all throughout different countries that that's a holiday here in America. 
Um, and it's a weird holiday it, for me, like, um, it's always on a Thursday, right? It's on a Thursday every week. And so, um, everybody has the day off, uh, the whole kind of country kind of shuts down for everybody to, to get together with family and friends and stuff for Thanksgiving. And, uh, it makes for, it makes for an interesting week because, um, everybody takes Thursday off and most people probably take Friday off also. So that leaves only a three day week, but then everybody's mindset is like, uh, well, maybe I'll work Monday and Tuesday and then Wednesday I'll maybe think about working for a half of a day. And, yeah. um, so it's, it's really slow. It's really slow week, even though we, we do have a couple of days, but, uh, for me, it feels like we've had about seven Saturdays in a row at this point. It just, oh, feels, wow. every day just feels like it's been the same. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been interesting, but uh, but good. It's good to it's good to um, be with friends and family and and spend that time together. So okay, well, putting you on the spot though, is it is it good to spend uh, time with friends and family? <laughs> Was it good? <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is good, but um, but yeah, to your question, it it does add a level of anxiety. I, I know that um, people feel like they have to divide their time up between which family you're going to and who you're going to see and who you, who you don't have time to see, especially if you have split families with divorces or, um, yeah. you know, my wife and I have, um, we ha- we are, we're like on a three year rotation. We have my parents and then her mom and then her dad. And on every third year we, we spend Thanksgiving with whichever family that is. And so we're, that's, that's always interesting. And you divide that up and that creates a lot of stress and, and anxiety and, I even had a client this week in, in, uh, in therapy. I met with her Friday. So the day after Thanksgiving and, um, we spent the entire session just working through the anxiety. She spent the, she's a younger gal. So she spent the, the beginning half of the day at her mom's. And then she spent the second half of the day at her dad's. And then her mom gave her a guilt treatment for leaving too early. And, and she's just frustrated because she's like, I didn't ask for you guys to get divorced. And I don't, ha- I, I didn't ask to try and have to spend time between the two families. And um, it is, so it, it's fun. It's good to see people. It's good to have dedicated time with family, but yeah, it does add levels of, of stress and, and frustration. And it's, it's hard to manage yeah. what that looks like. It's a really interesting one, actually, because you come together as families for, for Christmas, birthdays, Thanksgiving, um, I guess, I don't know how most families operate, but we, we're all doing our own things. So actually coming together, it's, it's really valuable. And there is always some, you know, well, hopefully there's some good times and some good communication. And also it's really worth uh, sort of punctuating life, isn't it, with these different events and things. But it is, uh, it doesn't come without it. It stresses. So it's just, and I guess some people handle that better than others. And I'm quite lucky with my family. Generally, it's 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 pretty easy going, but um, yeah, it depends what's going on, doesn't it, in your life? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's 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 always funny because um, you know I don't know. There's kind of like this running on, inside joke here between between all of us Americans. That's like, oh, you know, you're going to go see your crazy uncle at Thanksgiving, or you're going to have to get into political conversations, or there's going to be arguments about this or that, and. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just it's funny. We it is good to get together and to see everybody, um, but it does have it does have that aspect of the crazy uncle or the 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 racist family member who's going to say things and how you're going to handle that and uh, yes. whatever yeah. that looks like. So I, I try and just pretend not to hear any of those sorts of comments. <laughs> right, right, right. Sometimes sometimes that's easier just to keep the peace for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. So Thanksgiving is out of the way, and then it's like straight away, do you start thinking about Christmas at that point? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. Um, my my wife and daughter decorated for Christmas uh, last week uh, before oh, Thanksgiving. Cool. So our house has been decorated for a little bit now. Um, but yeah, people start moving in pretty quickly. Of course, the stores and everything have been on Christmas for a few weeks now. Um, but I don't know. Are you familiar with Black Friday? Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you guys have anything like that, Black Friday? Um, well, it's something that, you know, it's one of these things that we've um, inherited from from America. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it's like, it is a thing. It kind of, I mean, from what I remember, we didn't have it up until about maybe five or six years ago. Oh. And the first time I was aware of it was on Amazon. So it was all over mm. Amazon, this big rush and all, all these special offers and stuff. And then I also saw a youtube video or something on social media and it was about people were literally fighting over grabbing some good deal tvs from a a supermarket um so at that point i didn't really want that much to do with it and uh, and also and they weren't even good tvs that was the funny thing right they were were awful but they were like you know 20 quid or something So so that was pretty horrible to watch um and then I also read in the paper that Black Friday isn't, uh, I say read in the paper, I read it on social media, that Black Friday isn't uh, necessarily when you're going to get the best deals anyway. So I've decided to completely opt out of all that uh, getting the best deal anxiety. <laughs> yeah. and I totally ignore it, totally. Yeah, good for, good for you. Um, yeah, I, I only ask because I think that helps get everybody moving in towards the Christmas Christmas ideas. As soon as Thanksgiving's over, Black Friday is the next day and everybody goes crazy. Um, it's, it's less crazy than it used to be. Uh, over here, we used to do exactly what you'd say is everybody would, you know, get up at 3am or go stand in line at the, the local store and try and get whatever crappy TV that they could or um, run, to, you know, everybody would run to whatever that they needed that was going on sale for Black Friday. And it was just like a madhouse. And then a few years back, stores started opening up on Thursday nights um, instead of Friday mornings. And so then everybody, as soon as Thanksgiving dinner was over, everybody started running to the stores as quickly as possible at that mm. point in time. And then um, and then it's definitely shifted to um, much longer sales. And so Black Friday in and of itself isn't quite as strong as it, as it used to be. People are generally shopping of the whole week of Thanksgiving because they get the same deals on Friday. And with, like you say, online, um, Amazon and and whatnot, um, you can order, order certain things, you know, well in advance. So it's changed, but it definitely still exists to help people get uh, in the spirit. Yeah, I did. I, I wondered whether there was an element of Black Friday. We went to uh, another thing that we that we inherited from America is the shopping mall or shopping centre, as we call it. Okay. Which I I absolutely detest shopping centres, and and we we had to go. It was my daughter's birthday yesterday, and my son is at Sheffield University, so we so there was this place to meet up, and we were going to go and play mini golf and go and have something to eat and all this kind of thing. And I, oh my God, it was so insanely busy in there. And I think it had an element of sales and and, and buy it now or, or you're going to lose out. But it looked like some giant social experiment. I mm-hmm. mean, it was really quite frightening. But I think perhaps I'm not used to going to that sort of thing anymore because I, you know, I avoid it. 
Um, but I did observe myself actually when I walked into it and the sort of anxiety and this is too busy and I hate this kind of thing. It all is a sort of learnt pattern of behaviour and I instantly got into that frame of mind and, um, and I caught myself doing it and I questioned it and thought, do I hate it or am I just you know, falling into that um, learnt behaviour? So I took a few deep breaths, looked around and went, actually, it's not too bad and that shop's quite interesting and it's nice and I can hear some Christmas carols in the background and actually, yeah, it's actually not too bad at all and I've made it all up and, and all that. <laughs> and then about three minutes later, I was like, actually, I didn't make it up. It's a complete nightmare. What <laughs> a way to get out of there. So that's my little, uh, that's my Christmas shopping experience over and done with. Oh, I, lo- I love it. That's, uh, that, yeah, that's, that's great. We, um, I don't, speaking of that, I don't know that, like, we still have shopping malls and stuff, but I think that's kind of, kind of on its way out a little bit too. Was it? Um, okay. mostly just because again, online, I think online ordering has, uh, be- become the thing, uh, over here. And, and now every, I mean, I think there's still big, like big box stores and stuff that people still shop at pretty regularly, but in terms of like the mall, um, or maybe I'm just out of the loop on it, but it feels like whatever you need, you just jump on online and order it and get it delivered to your house in two days. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, well, um, good. Yeah. Christmas is almost here. It's, uh, we're about a month away, which is exciting. Um, it's, it's kind of fun to start being able to talk about this getting in the Christmas spirit and gift giving and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and it's we rich and i intended to do a, a podcast episode on christmas anxieties um but like we mentioned earlier i don't, I don't know if we'll, we'll get to yeah. it before it's here this will have to be it just rest assured we're anxious <laughs> right, right we're excited, <laughs> excited and anxious at the same time yeah it's good I, I do actually i genuinely like christmas but i it's something that i get anxious about and yeah, because it's just it's like a deadline, isn't it? Everything's got to be ready by a certain time, and as and we've already talked about this, there's that kind of feeling of rush, and and it does depend on your personality because some people like that excitement and rush and that busyness of doing things, um, and it's nice because I always think of Christmas as this sort of shining light in in the middle of winter, which is kind of what it's supposed to be anyway, isn't it? It's like a festival of lights, depending on. You know, what your religion is or beliefs or, or, or anything. But I think we can all agree it's a, a shining light in the middle of a dark period. So there's this thing to aim for. Um, but for me, it's not without its anxieties. And, I, and as soon as Christmas is over, I always, I, I quite like that time because it's, it's much more peaceful. Mm. Um, and then you've just got a dark January to contend with. But that's another, that's the next episode. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, it, it does have, um, it does have some pressures with it. I, I think that Christmas in and of itself, um, because it's, because it's become very commercialized, right? Like yeah. you have to get all the gifts and you have to buy all the ornaments and you have to like live up to all these expectations and things. And so I, I do think it definitely comes with, um, feeling pressure and feeling like you have to live up to it and, and it has to be a magical time of year. And sometimes mm. it's, sometimes it's not always that, but um, I think trying to find the balance between those two, right. The, the, between the stress yeah. and the anxiety and the pressure, but also the joy. Um, I think that's probably the healthiest approach is the yeah. balance. Yeah. So Merry Christmas listeners. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Merry Christmas. 
Well, um, in a awkward pivot to what we <laughs> wanted to, to talk about today, um, we we actually we actually wanted to uh, talk about parenting today a little bit and just the idea behind parenting. Um, and maybe I'll kick this off with just kind of a kind of a rough idea of of where this where this came about. Um, my wife actually is the one who suggested this this topic for a podcast. Uh, thinking oh, that blaming her already. Yeah, I got to get that out of the way in case somebody doesn't like it. Then I can come right back to her. <laughs> um, no, but I actually I actually think it's a good one because it, it's it's um, it's important to to most people, right? Like most people with parenting, I definitely know that it's, um, it's important to you and I, Rich, and it's kind of funny. Um, I think both of you are, and I are on the same, um, uh, part of our lives in terms of parenting, in terms, in terms of like our kids are approximately the same ages. We are maybe on the downslope of the direct parenting, uh, given that our kids are teenagers and, and a little older, and uh, we've had some experience now and we can look back at the things that we've liked and the things that we feel like we've done well and the things that we, um, I, I want to say would do differently, but I'm not having any more kids, so I wouldn't, I'm not going to do anything differently. <laughs> uh, the yeah. things that we, that we maybe wish that we would have done a little bit differently the first time around and then have learned from. So uh, just, a, just a couple of old, old men here uh, talking yeah. about parenting. Yeah. I'm quite nervous about having this conversation because I, well, I, I have it in mind that I'm going to really make the effort to not say anything to try and make myself look like a good parent. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> because like, I reckon that's what all parents do. Mm. You know, when my kid acts like this, I always, I always do this, and it's almost like a social point scoring to try and um, broadcast to other parents that you're actually some sort of sensible human being when well i'll speak for myself i'm not at all it's all been a bit catastrophic so i'm I'm interested to hear what you've got to say on the topic i love i love that you're jumping right into the vulnerability of that because i do agree that that's one thing that i was kind of worried about with this is is i i'll I'll i've shared examples in the past of my parenting in fact in our last episode we we talked about um my vacation and how i tried to help my daughter through a few days when she was struggling on vacation and hopefully I shared a little bit of what I felt like I did. Okay. And then a little bit of what I regretted, um, just being human, but yeah, I I definitely don't want to present this like I'm a parenting expert or anything. In fact, none of what I, the, the educational piece that I'll share, none of it is, is my own. Um, it's come from other psychologists in the past that have, have studied that. And, um, it's what I do try to model my parenting around, but I'm happy to share some parenting failures also and some frustrations just so that I don't have to fall into fall into earning those social points that you're talking about as yeah. well. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's say, let's start at score. Let's, let's start at zero and see who can score the most points. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, um, yeah. So basically there's, a psychologist um, back in the the sixties um, who was named Diana Baumrind, and she came up with these different parenting styles. And then since that time, since the sixties, they have been studied, and it was further expounded upon in the eighties uh, by an Eleanor McCoby and a John Martin. And so parenting and different styles of parenting and the outcomes that they have on kids has been studied. 
um, quite extensively. And that's maybe what I'm going to share a little bit today about. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Okay, so the first one that they came up with is called authoritarian parenting. And this type of parenting really is um, maybe like the maybe like an older generational type of parenting or like a military type of uh, parenting. It's, it's very much they're demanding obedience from their kids. Uh, and they, they maybe rarely explain rules or decisions for things. It's just like, it's that, it's that way because I'm the parent or because I said so, um, yeah. they might say things like it's, you know, it's, it's my way or the highway choose to choose to act mm-hmm. right or, or you're not going to get whatever. Um, and the parenting style is very much focused on punishment and bad behavior and, and obedience for kids. Okay. Um, studies have shown that those kids that grow up in that environment um, tend to grow up with lower self-esteem. Uh, they tend to be more shy in general. Uh, they are more likely to experience depression and they might be afraid of new situations. Uh, so it has some impact for some kids. Yeah, um, yeah I think that I think that a lot of times when we feel stress as parents, at least I'm going to speak for myself here, um, we tend to start to curve into an authoritarian role. Like if our kid is not doing what we want them to do or need them to do in a certain moment, or maybe they're in a social setting that they're acting out a little bit and it's, it's somewhat embarrassing for us as parents, sometimes at least my natural tendency is to start to talk about punishments and talk about taking things away and just this, you have to do this. And you just lose that sense of, of patience a little bit. Um, I don't know. Thoughts on that, Rich? I mean, the, the, the punishment words jumps out on me straight away. So I've got a couple of things to say. Um, I know that occasionally I'm not, I don't think I'm an authoritative uh, parent. I don't know exactly what the right word is. I think I'm, I'm a little bit too soft, which also, and that's not a point scoring thing to say I'm soft. I'm sure it's got a whole load of negative and damaging consequences. <laughs> so that's my problem. But I have noticed that occasionally, and perhaps this is as I've got older and um, a little bit more worn out, but sometimes in more recent years, I found myself saying, um, "That's the way it is. I'm the parent. You're the child. That's the end of the discussion." And I'm uh, and I'm not for one minute saying that's the correct thing to say. I think it's come from fatigue, yeah, basically. Um, so that would kind of tie into to what you're saying. If you're getting a little bit stressed, sometimes you you can be a bit more like that. Um, in our house, I know that the word punishment is not really used. And again, I'm not trying to score a point here. We were always a little bit sensitive to that word for some reason. And we always chose, or my wife, I should more accurately say, always chose the word consequence. So if you behave like that, the consequence is going to be this. Um, yeah, if you do that, the consequence is going to be that. And then occasionally I would come in unhelpfully and, you know, stressed out and go, it's not a consequence, it's a punishment <laughs> and try and, like, you know, try and up the ante a little bit. Um, so, that, so that's a word that I'm kind of, you know, it's quite a sort of sensitive word in our house, I guess. 
Yeah, I, I think that my household is generally the same uh, for the most part. We we have uh, not talked about punishments all that much either. Um, however, like like I described earlier, like you're saying, um, when things aren't going the way that we were hoping, like if kids are making decisions that we're hoping that they wouldn't be making, um, and and that patience runs thin, that's that's where some of those things kind of start to come back out. Um, and then when you kind of calm, you know, the situation's over and you kind of calm down, then you realize maybe you didn't approach it in the right way or whatever. But um, parenting's hard. And I think for me, I, that, that this is not my main mode of parenting, but it definitely is one that I feel creep up once in a while. Um, just when I, like you said, when I'm exhausted or tired or my patience has run mm-hmm. thin or, or, or something like that. So, so are you, would you say so you would think of yourself as a fairly tough parent or I actually no, I actually don't. Um, I, I think I, I would say tougher than than my wife, um, which yeah. her and I talk about quite a bit, and and um, my kids kind of know that I'm I'm the tougher parent also. But I don't think it's tough in terms of like the way that this authoritarian is describing. I think it's yeah. more just um, I'm stronger on boundaries uh, yeah. and less permissive. Yeah. Yeah, we're already into really dangerous territory here, aren't we? If, yeah. if anyone listens to yeah, this, it's a bit of a scary one, but I think, I mean, I'm probably the softer one, Okay. Uh, which is, um, uh, I don't know, perhaps the children may laugh at that. I'm not, not exactly sure, but I think I'm a, a little bit too neurotic, so I'm always worried about upsetting people. Mm. And then I have to remind myself, well, you're the parent, and actually sometimes you – not that you need to upset people, but you do need to have boundaries and, and kind of uh, stamp – well, I don't like the word stamping, but stamp your authority. But I have a thing that – I don't know whether this has got anything to do with the topic, but to me, children are such – vulnerable creatures vulnerable people and i feel very paternal towards you know the majority of nice children let's say you know i just i I care about them a lot and and i find it very difficult to watch a kid being disciplined by their parents Mm. because i I feel for them you know i feel for a kid who's upset in that situation which can but in fact i'm probably more soft looking at other people's children than than my own if it's your own children and they've pushed you then you know i will flip out yeah yeah i think that's i think that's pretty common uh looking at other situations with more patience than than our own a lot of times for sure yeah so, um, so yeah, that's, that's the first style of parenting is, is authoritarian, uh, very direct, very my way or the highway, uh, very obedience based. Um, and I think that, like I said earlier, I think it's an older way of, uh, of thinking. I think that general style of parenting, um, has kind of been falling out of mainstream parenting over time. <clears throat> the the next one that they bring up is called permissive parenting uh, and this is um, maybe more passive parenting uh, the parents might not be quite as good at giving discipline or setting boundaries with their kids um, they probably these types of parents probably provide high levels of warmth and love um, to their kids but low levels of, of structure and consequence um, you could probably think of this as more like more of a friend than a parent. Um, mm-hmm. And this is just a, a side note. And, and maybe 
maybe just a pet peeve of, of mine. Um, but I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's anything over there in the UK, but so many times over here and in, in the States, people will post on social media about something they're doing with their kids, which is great, but they always describe their kids as, as my best friend. I love my best friend and I'm doing this with my best friend. And, and I'm just like, I cringe at that every single time. And I'm like, please stop. You're not your kid's best friend. It's great to have that warmth and that love and that relationship, but your job as a parent, and it just makes me feel like you're a permissive parent, which again, I don't know anything about their parenting necessarily, but just that mm-hmm. word, my kid is my best friend, makes me think of, of permissive parenting. I just think, yeah, I, I'm, I've, I share that, I share it. I just, um, it's not, I mean, I've often told my, my kids that, you know, I'm not your friend (laughs) (laughs) because I, because I, I I don't like it either. I never really thought into it actually as to why I don't like it, but it just makes me, well, it makes me cringe. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, perhaps, perhaps people listening to this might think we're just grumpy old bastards and whatever, but yeah, that's why we started this off saying that we're just two old men talking about parenting. That's fine. They're probably right. So just, just send us an email and tell us why we're wrong. But yeah, I, I definitely, I, I'm not keen on that either. So this type of parenting, um, <clears throat> with this, this permissive type of parenting, really as kids grow up, uh, the studies have shown that, uh, these kids tend to lack structured routines around life skills. So such as like, um, they might be the ones that show up late to work more often because they, they lack structure as a child, or they might develop poor eating habits because uh, there was never any consequences or discussions around what healthy eating habits might look like. Uh, they tend to have lower self-confidence. Uh, they're at greater risk of depression, anxiety, maybe even substance use. Um, and a lot of times they can be more impulsive as, as children okay. as well. Okay. So. I noticed that the, so the first two parenting styles that you've just read out both lead to anxiety and depression. So what, what's the third? <laughs> right, right. Right. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. And I think it, actually that's a great point, Rich. You and I talked about in a previous episode that uh, I think it was our secondary trauma episode that anxiety and depression is on the rise um, and has been, and, and the numbers are kind of staggering. And I think, I don't know that that's directly related to parenting in and of itself, but I definitely think it's a, an area where the mental health field is trying to keep an eye on is, is why is anxiety and depression so high and what can we do about it? So um, that's probably why some of these characteristics are, are pointed out because it's become a, a focus of this field. It's a really um, interesting area. And I, and I mentioned him last week, uh, somebody that I've just started looking at in the the mental health field, which is Gabor Mate. And he talks a lot about childhood trauma, um, which can all, as parents, we all instantly feel guilty when we hear about trauma and we, we sort of wonder what sort of trauma we might have inflicted on our children and we and we probably have and it might be might be in subtle ways and like this is nothing to do with blame for for anyone you know our parents or or us as parents but it is you do become aware and perhaps it's doing the sort of training that I'm doing and the field that you're in you become it's an uncomfortable awareness that how you act as a parent will affect your children's uh well, mental and physical health. There's no, there's no getting away with it. But as I say, nobody's. This is not a blame thing, and you should have done this, and you should have adopted this style. It's just, 
it's too early for all that, isn't it? It's just something that's coming into the field and, and, and something that we need to, as you said, keep an eye on. Yeah. And again, yeah, as parents, uh, we're going to screw up, right? Like yeah. this, that, that, the, the better we can accept that we're going to screw up and we're going to screw up regularly and we're going to do it often and all the time. And the better we can accept that, the better I think we are to actually um, help our kids learn that it's okay to make mistakes. And yeah sometimes we're going to fall into that authoritarian role when our patience is thin and we're just tired and we just need to say, you need it, you know, child, you need to stop doing that because I said so. And I don't have the energy to have this conversation for the hundredth time. We're just done having this conversation. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. then there's going to be other times where again, you're exhausted and you're like, yes, just go eat more the ice cream. Yeah. Go <laughs> eat more ice cream, go yeah. eat more junk yeah. food. Like I don't have, the patience to continue to hold that boundary and to say no. And so I'll bounce back and forth in between those two. It was probably not my main mode of parenting, either one of them, but, but they definitely come out and we're going to, we're going to fall into them. And that's, that's probably okay. In the, at the end of the day. Yeah. Something I, I remember when, when our children were young. So for, for our listeners out there, I've got three children and they're all relatively close together. So, when they were very little, we had a, a house full of little children. And some days, obviously, it used to just go wrong all day. Bad decision after bad decision, uh, falling out, you know, a regrettable style of parenting. But genuinely, we were always doing our best. And, and sometimes we'd get to the end of the day and go, you know what, that was just, that was a pretty horrible day. And it all went wrong. And, you know, let's just forgive ourselves get a nice good sleep and then in the morning we start with clean slate and we do it all again and, and do it with the, the sort of best intentions and that was always really useful for me it was like get the blame out of it you know we, we screwed up we should have done this we should have done that but let's just start afresh each day yeah i love that i love that and you need that as parents right you need that you need that time to process and, and be able to move forward otherwise you'll just beat yourself up yeah, and and this is uh, lucky again because I'm I'm married and and we've raised our children together and the pressure on single parents that don't have that decompression time they don't have somebody there to um you know to blame yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> or, or or take joint responsibility for how it's gone wrong or what however you want to frame it um, that is definitely an extra pressure which must uh, take its toll on people yeah. So the third, the third parenting style that they pointed out is um, maybe the one with the worst outcomes for kids. Um, and, mm -hmm. and so it's, it's uninvolved parenting. And so a lot of times you could think of it as, as neglectful um, parenting. Maybe they have little communication or involvement in the kid's life altogether. Uh, they don't really have a warm response to the kids or they're not really meeting their emotional needs. Uh, they don't also don't pay much attention to discipline or supervision. Um, don't really offer a lot of guidance or support. They're just really uninvolved parents. And um, that one's kind of easier to, to point out, I think, in terms of um, how that might impact kids is, is if there's just no support or guidance all around. Um, but what they found through the studies is, it, it, it like I said, it tends to lead to the worst outcomes for kids. The kids generally will grow up maybe emotionally withdrawn from other people. Uh, they are unable to handle their own emotions a lot of times. 
so they have a greater risk of like antisocial behaviors such as conduct issues or, or maybe some um, uh, really deep substance use uh, challenges. Um, they may not perform as well academically or socially as, as other kids. Uh, they lack self-esteem. And uh, again, this is going to come up, you know, for the third one is, is they're going to most likely experience a higher risk of, of depression. So yeah. that one's a little bit Definitely. more serious and, and heavy and heartful is just uninvolved and, and neglectful parents. But that's, that's kind of what, it, what it leads to. Yeah, it, it sounds like a really tough one that actually. And um, again, just going back to, to that sort of that paternal feeling towards children that actually um, triggers me a little bit, for want of a better word. You know, the feeling of, of the, those children just being yeah, nobody involving themselves that much with them. That's that's not a nice place to be as a child. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, let's, let's jump to the, the final one and, and, um, <clears throat> get a little bit more positive after that, that heavy, that heavy, three bad ones. Three bad bad ones. ones. Uh, they have, they have, uh, coined the, the most favorable parenting style as authoritative parenting. Um, and so just to be clear, the very first one we talked about was authoritarian and, uh, this one is authoritative. So they didn't pick, um, super different words there but (laughs) but but that's that's how they've coined it and really this one revolves around uh, parents who are able to set rules and boundaries with their kids and give consequences uh, like what what you mentioned um, with kids uh, when when needed to but also be emotionally responsive and warm despite having to hold those boundaries and despite having to give consequences Uh, they can have high expectations of the kids and if if that child um you know makes choices that are are detrimental then they can help explain and and teach that that child why uh the other choice might have been more helpful or or better long term for that for that child um these type of these types of parents make a habit of listening and communicating with their kids rather than just um telling the kids it's because they're the parents um they help to understand they help the kids to understand why uh, there's consequences or why we want to do certain things. Um, and maybe they'll also help push kids out of their comfort zones a little bit, um, gently nudge them to help them grow and learn and, and develop as kids as well. And so these, these kids tend to grow up with um, strong emotional health. Uh, we also call that emotional intelligence. Uh, they have appropriate social skills. They might be more resilient uh, they're more likely to have like secure attachments to, to loved ones and, and generally higher self-confidence and self-worth. Yeah, so. I love that. I love it. it. It lifts my heart hearing that description. That's nice. That That's, to me, that sounds like what a family environment should should be like. It sounds really nice. What I love about it is I think as parents um, – it's hard, like we've already mentioned earlier, it's sometimes hard to balance how much do I hold this boundary and, and give out this consequence versus how much do I just let this boundary go and be permissive, right? To mm-hmm. balance out the difference between the authoritarian parenting and the permissive parenting. And right in the middle of there is this authoritative parenting. Is like, I can still hold boundaries. In fact, it's actually good and healthy for my kids, even though they're not going to like it but I can mm-hmm. try and do so with warmth and love and support, 
even though it's uncomfortable for them and it's uncomfortable for me, I know that it's going to lead to the greatest outcomes for my yeah. kids. Yeah. Do you, are you familiar with the uh, phrase, pick your battles? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's something that we've we've used and it's always been on the tips of our tongues. I mean, when the children were younger, certainly, and that would that would often crop up and you think, you know what, I'm just going to let that go and, and turn a blind eye. Something I've always found difficult is when I've tried to enforce a boundary, giving out a consequence or whatever, I'm quite quick to forgive which is not necessarily a bad thing. So I forgive, and as soon as I've forgiven, then I find it really hard to keep the uh, consequence going. So let's say, mm. you know, the classic, you know, no Xbox for three days or something. You know, after 24 hours, I'm really struggling to not go, oh, you know what, actually, ju- you know, just have it back. <laughs> right. But you can't do it, so then I have to be quite firm with myself and, and, and sort of say it's not going to, help things in the long run if you if you're too soft with it yeah yeah and it's so hard to to continue to keep that boundary right like emotions have calmed down everybody's moved on everybody's kind of back into to regular life and it's almost easier just to give back in and just let them play xbox again and and maybe and maybe sometimes keeping uh saying no xbox for three days sometimes sometimes that's a consequence for the parents (laughs) I know, I know. Yeah. I was going to say, you go, why did I say that? Because literally I've set myself up for a horrendous, a horrendous weekend. Yeah. I think I did it to, to our, our eldest once. This was years and years ago. Um, he was, he was you know, seven or eight years old. And it was that, no computers for the weekend. God, did I pay for that. It, it was him stood next to me all weekend. Right. Going, when can I get back on it? And, right. and it it's really, really tough. It's so tough, parenting, isn't it? It's really, but, you know, if you do it with love and, and listen to your children, I'm going to try and score a few points now, but something I always try and do, in fact, probably the main thing I've done with, with my children is is I've always tried to listen to them. Um, and it's not always easy. I don't always want to do it. But if, if one of them comes to talk to me, you know, I shut the lid on my laptop, I, I put my phone down, I put down whatever I'm doing, I turn towards them and I and I have an attitude of I'm going to properly try and listen to them and understand them. And the amount of times that they talk to me, um, you know, for a long time and the conversation goes off in all sorts of directions that I wouldn't expect. And I think that's that's been good, but it's definitely not something that I find easy, but it's been worthwhile. Yeah. I I love, I love that, that idea because really I I think what you're teaching them is that their voice is important. Their voice matters aside from these four parenting styles, just the fact that you're willing to give them undivided attention and listen to what they have to say um, is really teaching them that, that they matter and, and that, whatever they have going on and they want to share that that's important and they'll carry that with them uh, through life. And I think that that's, that's such a challenge nowadays because how easy is it for all of us to just, I mean, you mentioned shutting down your laptop and stuff, but how easy is it is for all of us to just be on our phones and like, just try to Mm -hmm. continue to have conversations while we're on our phones and like, yes, I'm paying attention, but I'm not really paying attention. And, um, I mean, I think. I mean, that... just 
Sorry, go on. Go oh, on. I, I was just going to say, I think that that's, that's an area that we, uh, so many of us struggle in. And, and, I'll, and I'll be open and vulnerable. It's something that I would like to get better at personally is, is being on my phone less and being more present with, with my family, with my kids. Um, and it's just so easy just to stay half tuned in. And so I, I just loved your example that you shared. Yeah. And we haven't really discussed this because we're, well, well, I suppose it is part of the same discussion, but obviously we've forgotten about how we've mentioned bits of it, but how we're feeling and what we're going through. And even though we're the parents, we're not always on our best behavior. Are we? Sometimes it's absolutely dreadful. And I'll just give you an example for me. This is a disclosure, but once when <laughs> my kids were really little and I just had enough of them, and um, I was coming down the stairs and we used to have this uh, drying rail at the bottom of the stairs and it had all this washing on and I, I sort of clattered into it and I grabbed hold of it and like threw it up and down and all the washing came off and this thing collapsed. Mm. <laughs> One of my little kids was looking through the railings and, and then he looked up and went, Daddy's been very, very naughty. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like... Wow, what's going on on the Zoom? There was a firework. <laughs> I, don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was perfect timing. Oh, for, <laughs> yeah. So, so I don't. I was wondering that same thing earlier. There was a, a thumbs up. I didn't know if that was just on your on your it end. Wasn't and, and now no, we've got fireworks. Me. This is a whole new experience for us. Wow. Well, well, someone <laughs> somebody's listening. Um, so yeah. So the parents aren't always on their best behavior, and and that throws in a whole other. Um, set of difficulties with so the message is is uh, parents parenting is extremely difficult yeah and i'll i'll share one of my um gosh one of my biggest um, one of my biggest regrets I'm, I'm i'm nervous to put this out on the airways here but um <clears throat> it's been it's been years now and and i have to accept that it happened and we've moved we've moved forward with it but um when my son was was young uh three-ish, uh, four-ish maybe. Um, and he was just starting to learn to read. Um, and he was, he was going to preschool and they had given us this, uh, this reading book that you, you know, have him do this one lesson a day or 15 minutes a day or, or something like that. And, uh, so we would always try and do that. And, um, you know, sometimes it would go well and other times he'd be like, I, I don't want any part of this, right? I don't want to, I don't want to sit and try and read anymore. This is hard. <laughs> And, uh, and one time I was getting ready to go on a a vacation with some friends and, uh, it was just some guys. And so my wife was going to stay home with it, with her, with our son and and whatnot. And he was refusing to read that morning. And I was so frustrated and I was young. I was a young parent, uh, early, early twenties, um, which is not necessarily an excuse, but I, I do think I have some maturity now that I didn't then. Um, and I was so mad and so frustrated and I, I grounded him to his room and I left, uh, without like giving him a hug, telling him I love him. Like I left like mad and angry at him. And as I'm like leaving the house, I can see him out his bedroom window, like crying upstairs. Um, and I was just so mad and so angry that this little four-year-old kid wasn't practicing his 15 minutes of reading for the day. And it's funny because that has scarred me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, like 10, 11, 12 years removed from this experience now. And it still Mm. is um, almost embarrassing to talk about because I was so angry and so upset and it's, it's scarred me, but I'm 
fairly confident that he doesn't even remember it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it, looking back, that was a lesson for me. Um, but it took me time for my emotions to come back down and realize, yeah, I wasn't on my best behavior and I did make a, a mistake that I don't want to make again. And, uh, I don't think I made that mistake again. I made plenty of others, but, um, yeah. but maybe not, maybe not that one, but that, that stuck with me for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, and I never really thought about this, but there's, I'm sure I've got many memories like that, that, buried away um just just things that i've done that i've yeah regretted and wish i could have turned back time but the thing is you're doing your best and and you know as you said you're a young parent and who knows what else was going on in your life and you actually yeah you actually didn't do anything wrong there was just a situation that happened it boiled over you dealt with it in a certain way He's forgotten about it and you'll feel guilty forever unless you go to therapy. <laughs> unless, I, unless I work it out in therapy. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. Really, I think that we're all going to screw up. We're all going to make mistakes and there's things that we're going to regret and they're going to leave us with scars. And I, I think at the end of the day, um, the healthiest thing we can do is to not try, not try to, um, not parent because we're afraid of yeah. making a mistake, but accept that they're going to happen and then try to learn from them and, and then yeah. do the best that we can. And then, you know, one thing that I, that I've feel like I've gotten really good at, uh, with, with my kids and it's for whatever reason, it's still a little bit uncomfortable, but I feel like I've gotten a good at it is apology, apologizing, literally apologizing to my children mm-hmm. after something happens. Like if I, if I ever fall into that authoritarian type role, where I'm just irritated and frustrated and I'm just tired of having the conversation. And I just say, do this because I've said to do this and I'm done having this conversation after time has calmed down. I feel like I've, I've gotten pretty good at being able to go back into their bedroom, sit down with them and just say, Hey, look, I'm, I'm sorry. I was frustrated. I overreacted. I, in the future, this is why I want it to be this way, or this is why it's important to me, or this is why I need you to do this or whatever. Um, but I would wish I wouldn't have acted that way. I feel like that has helped me and my kids be closer together, but it takes a lot of humility to be able to do that. Yeah. I think it's great that you do that. I I think that's cool. And I tried to do that myself. I do do it myself. And I, I do. I think we're probably the first generation of parents perhaps that are willing to apologize to their children. Um, I don't know. That might be completely wrong. Forget that. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, sounds I'm, good, though. I like to be the, on the pioneering side of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so worried about offending anybody who's listening to this because we're all. But anyway, I, um, I have apologized to my children. It is something that I do. If I really mess up, I go, you know what? I was completely out of order. That that was rubbish. Um, but then I'm a little bit uncomfortable with it going, does this kind of, you know, lower their respect level of me or something like that? And then I've thought, well, you know, whatever. I, I did screw up and I am sorry. So it's just being careful about not saying sorry for the sake of it. You know, it's it's, it's just if you mean it. And, um, and I know we're probably getting towards the end of this, this episode, but something I wanted to just drop in as well Um is that something that I've been keen on as well as listening to the, the children is also, how can this not sound bad? Um, also trying to push them out into the world a little bit and not shield them from things too much. 
So, for example, when you know my youngest says to me, "I'm feeling anxious um, because such and such is happening today at school," I say, "Good. It's good that you feel anxious. That's a good response because w- what's happening today? It might be a maths test or something. It requires some sort of." Uh, presence of mind so it's your body trying to prepare you for it um so i'm not talking about problematic anxiety which makes you not be able to function in the world i'm i'm talking about a healthy level of, of fear that you might get or it might be yeah a few years ago it might be i'm going to walk home and i'm scared of going down this street and up this road and i'm like good that's that's the right response you should be scared of it because you need to have your wits about you because there's fast traffic, there's strangers, etc. Um, so you need to take a deep breath um, and and do it. So I've always been keen on that side of parenting as well. I love that. And that's a whole other side of parenting that we, we didn't talk about a ton in this, but helping kids to develop that emotional intelligence that, that uncomfortable emotions aren't something to run away from. They're not scary and we don't have to push them down. In fact, the, the more we can honor them and listen to what they're trying to tell us, the better that they can serve our lives. And I think that that's, um, you mentioned, you mentioned and then took it away as maybe a first generation of parents doing things. But I think that that level of parenting, helping kids to learn emotional intelligence, I think that's growing um, in, in the parenting field. And I think that it didn't used to be that way as much. It was very much emotions kind of got in the way of life and you need to, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you need to ignore that. And you just need to be tough and get through it. And I think that that idea of helping kids to appreciate and honor and respect their emotions is, is growing in, in this generation. Yeah, yeah, and no, it's, it's it's a good thing. There is there's definitely some stragglers that are trying to just protect from everything, and and again, you know, a bit of a controversial area. But within the school system, their child can do no wrong, you know, no matter what their behaviour is, and sort of notes into the teacher saying, you know, you're not allowed to confront my child because it makes them feel anxious. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to have them do detention because, you know, it, it's not conducive to to how they like to act in the world and i just think oh my goodness that that is not helpful at all to that child they need um but then i don't know the situation of the family i don't know the child yeah you know it's it's very very difficult um i mean we all have that natural tendency i suppose to want to shield our children from certain things um, this is a bit of an admission, but I remember my eldest son, he was always terrible at crossing the road. He, he could never sort of concentrate and he would always follow my lead and he would never look at the cars himself or anything like that. And I tried for years and years to teach him some road safety. Um, and, and in the end, when he got to a certain age, I just thought the only way you're going to learn is if you just have some near misses. <laughs> 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 it sounds terrible, but I was like, okay, I'm going to stand here, you're going to cross the roads, and when right, you get to the other side, I'm going to come across and join you. See you later. <laughs> because it just wasn't helping me being by his side all the time. And it was a risk, and you feel a, a level of anxiety and all that kind of thing. But I think, yeah, th- th- there's a balance, isn't there, like everything else, but you do have to give them a little push here, here and there. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and yeah. And again, going back to what that's like for a parent is um, scary. <laughs> it's scary. Is yeah. why we're talking about honoring our, our feelings and stuff, sending your kid out into the world and saying, man, I hope that you're ready for this. I hope you can survive. I, I hope that, <laughs> I hope that you're going to make it is, um, is scary. And knowing that they're going to do things and fail sometimes is, is hard because we, we want to protect them from that, that heartbreak, but mm. not always the, the best thing for them long-term. Just, just one more thing before we wrap it up. My, my, I saw my son yesterday. He's at university now. And he, after we saw him, he was going to get the tram back to his place of residence. He was with his girlfriend and I said, you know, which way the tram stop is? He had no idea, but he, he said, um, last time we looked for the tram, we got lost in the woods and ended up by a scary canal in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> and it gave me a, a, a little bit of a fright. And then I thought, well, he's an adult. That's his problem. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> there, there you go. I love it. I love it. Um, well, I think that that kind of, that kind of wraps up the the idea of parenting with the with the four uh, different parenting styles and how it might impact kids. And I guess my message at the end of this w- would be, um, if if possible, your your kids are going to benefit from leaning more into the authoritative um, type parenting style, where you can be um, set rules and boundaries, uh, but also hold them to those rules and boundaries with warmth and kindness and love and then give yourself the grace of there's going to be times where you are not going to be perfect you in fact more often than not you're not going to be perfect every day every day and you're going to fall into the authoritarian type and you're going to fall into the permissive type and um don't be afraid to to make those mistakes and and then come back and apologize for them and, and then, and then move forward and try and do the, the best you can the next day. Um, knowing that we all make mistakes and I, I don't know how many of my social points scored on this episode, but, uh, I have plenty of wins and plenty of, uh, losses at the same yeah. time. I reckon we were fairly evenly matched actually. <laughs> Good. <laughs> in, in, uh, in honor of, uh, previous podcasts, uh, soccer or football talk, we'll call it a tie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we end, though, I, I, man, I want to do this at the beginning of every episode. And for whatever reason, I always forget. I, Rich and I are always looking for other people to come on the podcast. Um, if, if you're listening to this and you're wanting to share any stories that you have um, with mental health, with therapy, with being human, with parenting, with literally anything that we, that we all go through, we'd love to have you on. Or if you have questions or things that you want us to talk about, we'd love to get emails um, at everydaytherapistpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we just love some interaction and we hope that, uh, hope that everybody's enjoying kind of what we're talking about. So uh, Rich, anything that you want to add before we end for the day? Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, I just want to thank thank everybody that's uh, listening, continue continuing to listen. Hopefully, no one's uh, um, unsubscribing after our parenting chat. But it's uh, it's great doing this. I, I really enjoy doing it, and you know, I'd like to get that interaction with people and, and see uh, what sort of things people would like us to talk about we're having some guests we are trying to line up a few guests at the moment actually we've got sarah reese uh, from therapist corner uh, who we're going to be interviewing next week i think so 
that's going to be coming out soon. So I'm just really excited about the whole thing and, and really appreciate people taking the time out to listen to this. You know, it, it means a lot. It, it all came about by accident. Um, didn't know what was going to happen with this at all. And there are people actually listening to us, yeah. <laughs> believe it or not. And, and it's great. And, I, and I, I just want to say I really appreciate it. Awesome. I, I appreciate it too. And, and thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode.